solves everything. A how-to-do show where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person. Then I met these folks. Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. And today on this program, y'all, we are diving into a subject that we are often told not to talk about. It can be a difficult topic to discuss, even with our friends. We might feel like we might be misunderstood or judged or pigeonholed or that we're just not as informed or educated as the people around us. Sometimes this topic is something that people don't even want others to know about them. And in other cases, it's the first thing that they want someone to know. We're talking about religion, guys. This episode is called Devil's Advocate. And I'm looking forward to discussing some of the most compelling questions about religion today with the Reverend Sheldon Steen, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church and doctoral candidate in religion and Western antiquity at Florida State University, and my personal friend. Sheldon Steen has been working in ministry for 15 years. He's earned a Master's of Divinity and a Master's of Theology from Columbia Theological Seminary. He began his professional work in youth ministry, working in Florida and Georgia, and after serving as parish associate at Faith Presbyterian Church here in Tallahassee, he moved on to campus ministry, working for UKirk, Tallahassee, serving Florida State University and Florida A&M University. He joined Christ Presbyterian Church in June 2020, leading the Northeast Tallahassee congregation through the COVID-19 pandemic at a time when almost every element of our lives, including our spirituality, is politicized. Welcome to the show, Sheldon. Thank you. It is so good to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> well, you know, in a world where we create our own facts these days <laughs> and we call anything that we don't want to think about fake news, quoting statistics can be a tricky place to start. But that's where I'm going to start. Because in 2019, the Pew Research Center reported the religious landscape of our country is changing. And fewer Americans are claiming Christianity as part of their identity. Now, over the past four years or more, we have heard a lot about how our country is founded on Christian values. And then another group of people standing up and saying, uh, that's not quite true. And not very many of us are well-educated in that area. We know the history culture of what we've been told and taught, but not many of us have master's degrees in theology <laughs> and divinity. Now, telephone surveys conducted over 2018 and 2019 show that about 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christian when asked about their religion, and that's down 12 percentage points in the past 10 years. At the same time, there's been an increase in people who identify as religiously unaffiliated, either as atheist, agnostic, or my favorite category, nothing in particular. <laughs> and those, I think, are the, are the people who maybe grew up in, 
in a spiritual family, mm-hmm. but then have have since left for whatever reason, um, or are in um, a household where there are there's diversity and there's not consensus, and so they just don't participate. And that's twenty six percent up from seventeen percent in two thousand nine. It affects Protestantism and Catholicism. In 2019, 43% of American adults said they were Protestant, which is down from 51%. And only one in five adults, about 20%, say that they are Catholic, which is down from 23%. Self-described atheists now account for 4% of the United States. And that's up a little bit, but it's um, more interesting to see the group that I, more interesting to me to see the group that describes themselves as nothing in particular and you know kind of in this category of none the nuns the yeah. nuns uh-huh. and i have a lot of friends who are nuns <laughs> and i have a lot of friends that are christian and i am always i always enjoy the conversations about why do you why do you feel that way what what were you taught what did you grow up thinking have you changed your your thoughts over time And so today, guys, I'm going to ask some of the questions that I wrestle with and hear from my friends who are in the nuns category. Now, here's a little bit of a caveat. Y'all know that Heather Solves Everything is a show about tapping into your unique strengths to solve the everyday problems that we all face in life. To be honest, I'm not sure whether we're going to come up with any solutions today. We may solve nothing. We may solve nothing. (laughs) But we're going to take a leap of faith. All right. That by the end of this program, we're going to have something good. So, are you ready? I'm super ready. All right, let's get into it. All right, so I'm going to start with a really easy question. Oh, great. What do you see as the biggest issue dividing Christians today? (laughs) Super easy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think think one of the—it's hard to point to one specific issue, but thinking broadly, I think the biggest thing is just our hubris and our arrogance— um, I think Christians are a little bit too quick to present our ideas, our theology, and all of those things as if we have it all figured out, mm-hmm. right? And so that causes conflict not only between Christians and non-Christians, but also between Christian groups. And in fact, I mean, there are some Christian groups who are more angry at other Christian groups than they are at like non-Christian groups, right? Um, so for me, faith and theology have to begin from a place of admitting that we don't know, right? Every theological statement we will make is going to be imperfect, is going to be incomplete. We don't know the mind of God. We are not God. Um, But we can often trick ourselves into thinking that, well, because we read the Bible in this particular way, because we have these ideas, because we belong to this religious community that, you know, forms these ideas in us and for us, that we've got the answers and we know what those answers are in here. Now, let me give them to you and why would you see them differently? Why, why, you know, there's, there's that, there's just so much hubris in how we often talk about these questions, which I think gets to why we have such a hard time talking about them. Like you, like you talked, you started off talking about this is the thing we're not supposed to talk about, which is to me like the worst possible way for us to approach this. Like we should be able to talk about this. We should be able to come from a place of humility and have that kind of openness and graciousness with other people, whether they believe like we do or not. Uh, and in fact, we, sh- we should be you know, open to learning from other people as well. I think a lot of us, even the most, like, quote unquote, open-minded of us, 
are actually pretty closed off to a lot of other ideas. And the, that, that kind of arrogance puts up a real just dividing wall between us and other people to where we can't have those conversations. And I think that's a real problem. Well, yeah, I think that that's something that we definitely see right now. I know that just people not understanding how other Christians can see things so differently. Right. And and having this kind of tension of who's who's the real mm-hmm. Christian. Right. You know, right. it's like, well, we I I have 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 seen friendships break up. Totally. Over issues of theology and issues of well, you say this, but your actions don't match, yeah. and ours do. But when we all know that, I mean, none of us are really getting it right, are we? That's right. We're all pretty darn hypocritical when it comes <laughs> down to it, right? And so there has to be a willingness to admit that as well, yeah. to admit that this is who I'm trying to be. These are the values that I espouse, and I'm doing my best to live them out. But I should also be able and willing to recognize when I fall short of that, right? I think one of the scariest things when it comes to having a conversation about faith is admitting that you're not positive. Right. You know, right. And that you have doubts because you're yeah. supposed to feel this conviction of yes, I believe this and I'm I'm staking my life on this. Mm-hmm. And then to turn around and say, but... <laughs> Right, right. You know, and, and I don't know how how people reconcile that. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I would say is like if if you're coming from a place of certainty, then then that's not really faith, right? That's knowledge. And we we don't in fact, you know, even pl- there's plenty of biblical texts we could point to that tell us that we don't know everything, right? Like that's a pretty important piece of this is that we are not God. We don't know the mind of God, um, that everything that we say, think, and believe, parts of it are going to be right, but parts of it are going to be not quite right. And that's why we continue to develop, you know, new ideas and, you know, reread scriptures. And, you know, there, if you, this is one of the advantages of, of being a historian is you can look back through time and see the ways that people have read these texts differently throughout history. And that really gives you, it's, it's kind of a punch to the gut because it gives you that sense of humility that, man, these people were really certain back then that this is what it said. And now we're really certain now that this is what it says. <laughs> Maybe we need to be a bit more humble in how we approach this. <laughs> well, you know, that gives me so much comfort because I don't know what I'm talking about half the time <laughs> when I start explaining my faith journey. And uh, we're going to dive into that, guys. So if you're not sure either, that is okay. You have come to the right place. This is Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Hey, guys. Welcome back. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. I'm here with my friend, Reverend 
Sheldonstein from Christ Presbyterian Church on Bannerman Road. We are talking about the things that we're told not to talk about. We're talking about religion. Hopefully we won't talk about politics, but you never know. <laughs> because these days, religion and politics seem to be the same thing. And that perplexes me. And that is why I asked Sheldon to come today and answer some of the questions that I have about faith in our community. Now, I mentioned earlier that um, Sheldon used to work with um, the with campus ministry at Florida State University in FAMU, an organization called UKIRK, which is the Presbyterian co- Campus Ministry. Yep. And in that in that role, I'm assuming that you are working with students who are at a time of their life when everything is turned upside down for them. They're meeting new people from different walks of life. You know, the the life that they have had up to this point is being challenged mm-hmm. and questioned. Yeah. And I can only imagine that could be a very confusing time for a college student when it comes to their faith journey. And I wonder... What was that experience like? What were some of the questions that you encountered and, and, um, and issues that you, that you dealt with in that role? Yeah, it, it was an incredible experience, and it's exactly as you described. Uh, there were students that kind of ran the gamut of faith and not faith or somewhere in between. Uh, we had students who were cradle Presbyterians who knew they wanted to go to seminary and be pastors and thought they had all the answers and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then we had students who were like, I don't know, I'm here for the free dinner. Right. Um, what are you talking about? You know? And so we, we tried to do a lot of things that just open space for conversation. And actually, one of my favorite things that we did um, was one semester, just the entire semester, we had a Thursday night dinner. And then instead of like a normal kind of talk or whatever, sometimes we bring in guest speakers, that kind of thing. Um, but we did a thing called Stupid Questions. Mm, where we That's took, my favorite. We had one night where it was like we broke into groups and every group had like a different, you know, like one group was Bible, theology, ethics, you know, that kind of thing. And they just came up with a list of the quote unquote stupid questions, like the kinds of questions that everyone has, but no one asks because we all feel like we're supposed to know the answers to those questions, right? Right. And and it was amazing. Like, so for the whole semester, we would just take three or four questions every Thursday night and we would just talk through them. And again, they were all over the place. Some of them were like as basic as how do I know God exists to like very, very like deep detailed questions about like discrepancies in biblical stories and how do we reconcile those and those kinds of things. So they were all over the place and they, it was wonderful because it was, it created space for students to ask those questions where that space didn't otherwise exist for them because so often in, in churches, we don't have that kind of conversation. It's kind of a one way, it's, it's a monologue. The, the pastor tells you this is the thing you're supposed to believe and you, it's kind of a consumerist kind of model, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like, this is what this church believes. This is what this pastor believes. You take it or leave it, right? right? But there's not space for conversation. There's not space for people to push back and say, well, what about this? Or I don't quite understand what that means. And so we were trying to intentionally create that space for students. I would say the other big thing that we encountered a lot is that we really tried to carve out space on campus as being one of, if not the only, not the only, but one of the um, more kind of inclusive campus ministries. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we would have, we had so many students, again, some of them were cradle Presbyterians, but we had others who were, you know, raised in different traditions that were less affirming of who they were. Um, and they knew that we were, um, you know, open, affirming of LGBTQ people. And so they would come into that space and say like, well, I'm, a, I'm not, I don't feel safe over here, but maybe I can feel safer here. And instead of completely throwing away my faith, 
maybe I can find a new kind of faith that affirms who I am and who God made me to be, rather than having to either kind of fight against myself and who I, who I am, um, or completely get rid of it altogether. So it was a wonderful experience of being able to walk with students through that transformational kind mm-hmm. of moment that yeah. college is, where again, like you said, you're just, you're experiencing everything newly, so, so much so many questions, so many new experiences, and we really tried hard to make that a space, and it still is, even you know, under the, the new leadership, uh, a space where students can come and be who they are and ask those questions and not feel in any way rejected because of those questions. That's one of my favorite things to do is just holding space for somebody to yeah. be able to explore yeah. and, and ask questions of others and themselves with in a, without feeling like they need to come up with an answer right. or that somebody is going to question their answer absolutely you know, that it can just be what it is or you can still be in this place where i still don't know but totally. at least i've asked exactly. and i've thought about it yeah so i wonder whether adults can go to stupid questions night because <laughs> for me the simple question of how do i know god exists is way harder it's than a big one. <laughs> coming up <laughs> right. with like how do i how do i distinguish between these two discrepancies yeah. in a yeah. biblical story right because i sit in church sometimes and I participate, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, you know, I read, you know, what we're saying and I say the things right. and every once in a while my brain is like, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let me confess, as the pastor who often writes those things, <laughs> uh, me too. Really? <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. I mean, I think that's only natural. That's that's a deeply human experience, right? So for me to be to be a Christian is far less about what do I know? And it's far more about like, who do I want to be and what kind of community do I want to be a part of? And to me, the church at its best is this wonderful, beautiful place where people are together. They are going through difficult things together. They're experiencing joy together, raising your kids together. There is no other place that I know of where my kids can be as loved as they are at like Christ Presbyterian Church. And before that, at Faith Presbyterian Church. And before that, at Jasper First Presbyterian. You know what I mean? Like every step along the way, we're in this community of people who just love and support them. And where else does that exist? It's beautiful. Now, when it goes badly, it goes really badly. And those were like a lot of the students that we uh, were working with um, and in relationship with at UKirk were examples of people who belonged to faith communities that were just toxic and students who came in with a ton of shame and guilt just about who they were and, and guilt even about the questions that they had, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were told that these are, you're not allowed to ask these questions or maybe not explicitly, but when they did ask those questions, they were shut down immediately. And so instead, it's, it's about creating that welcoming space. And that was always our number one priority is let's be the most welcoming community we can possibly be because it's not our job to create little automatons who believe exactly what we tell them to believe. It's our job to extend the welcoming hand of Christ and just be together and see what happens, you know? One thing that I've learned in creating relationships with other people is that I had a really unique experience growing up in the United Methodist Church and mm-hmm. now being part of the Presbyterian on the PCUSA in that we are a very questioning and, and open, you know, people, you know, who, who invite that and welcome, you know, that type of exploration. And when I'm interacting with my friends who are in the none category who check, you know, nothing in particular or not affiliated, um, sometimes I discover that they have had that experience where they were in a faith community, right. but it was not a positive place. Right. It was it was a very um, directive and mm-hmm. um, and shameful if you yeah. did not understand or just believe. Right. 
And um, I, I have had my eyes opened to how many people don't know that they can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder when um, one of the one of the most common questions that I get from my friends who are not part of a faith community is, and this is a question that I have also. Mm-hmm. Doing good things, okay? So, yeah. like, Christians are we're supposed to do good things, take right. care of each other. Right. And sometimes the reason why what we we do that is because sometimes you'll hear, because that is what God commands us to right, do. Right, right. And so a, a valid question is, well, so if God didn't say that, would you not do it? Yeah, yeah. And are people who also do good things but don't do it in the name of God or to glorify God— is that somehow not good enough? Sure. How do you reconcile that? Yeah, no, that, listen, again, that's one of my questions too. So I'm with you. Um, I mean, I think, I think good things honor God. I think loving things honor God. I think just things honor God. That's why we need to always be doing the work of justice and compassion and, you know, sharing love with people. So, I, and I'll confess, I often find myself relating a lot more to non-Christians in terms of like the actual work of compassion and justice than I do to Christians because some Christian groups, not all of course, but some Christian groups are a lot more concerned about like, do you believe X, Y, and Z? And if not, I don't want anything to do with you, right? And it's like, well, can't we just work together? Like, can't we work together and make sure these people get fed or we're helping these people find housing or, you know, making things more affordable, that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, I do think... It is the actions that really matter and that really honor God. And then all of the things we think and believe and say, not that those don't matter, they do, but we need, we need to be a lot more about how we show the love of Christ in the world than how we talk about it, I think. It could be that we have more in common than we have compete keeping us apart. Absolutely. We're going to explore that even more When we come back from the break, you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Healthy Heather. I'm here with Reverend Shelvenstein, and we will be right back. Thank you to my sponsor, AK Social Strategies, a locally and woman-owned business that provides social media and email marketing for small businesses. Every client feels the love when their social media is curated thoughtfully and personally. With purpose and intention, social media is a business must have, but it's time-consuming and ever-changing. Let AK Social Strategies take the wheel. Find them on Facebook. Just search for AK Social Strategies. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. Welcome back. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is Coach Heather, and I'm here with my friend, Reverend Sheldon Steen of Christ Presbyterian Church. We're talking about religion. Watch out. And you know what, guys? I'm about to ask my big question. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm terrified, but yeah. (laughs) I've been saving this up. All right. Now, you said stupid questions are allowed. Always. They're the best. I've got one. And it feels kind of also blasphemous (laughs) because 
sometimes it seems to me, I'm just saying, as a kid and even as an adult, listening to stories, studying, hearing, reading, sometimes it seems like God is kind of a jerk. (laughs) And I said that one time to my mom, and she looked at me like, what? I was like, well, I mean, so from the perspective, if I'm looking from the perspective of somebody who thinks this is all just a bunch of bunk, Mm -hmm. God is this being that we decided exists and who claims to have created the earth and everything in it has told us that we need to live in harmony with each other and and take care of each other but by the way you're incapable of actually doing it (laughs) it's never gonna happen but keep trying it's also your fault that you're incapable of it because your people ate that fruit right so so and then We continue to strive to meet this unrealistic standard that can't, we cannot possibly meet so that what? Like that, because if you don't do it, then you're going to be burned in hell. Tortured forever. Right. By this entity that we've just told each other is a thing. Right. And explain that, preacher man. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is one of those fun questions, too, because when you actually read the Bible, it doesn't really help a lot, because there's a lot of stories. <laughs> there's a lot of times when the Bible doesn't really help yeah, a absolutely, lot. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. There's a lot. I mean, like, Noah's Ark, right? This story that yes. we, we read to children from a very young age, we decorate their nurseries with it. Like, it's a story about, like, mass human extinction. Right! Right? Like, that's crazy that we're putting that on nursery walls. Nuts. So, okay, so let me back up. There's a few there's a few different ways to answer this question. Okay. None of which are like particularly intellectually satisfying, but That's okay. This is not a particularly <laughs> right. intellectual show. <laughs> Good. So, <laughs> one of the ways that I think a lot of Christians today would answer that question is to say, well, most of those stories are in the Old Testament. And the God of the Old Testament is, you know, just kind of legalistic, a bit more vindictive, kind of angry. But then Jesus came along. And it's all about love yeah. and grace That's and my forgiveness. Part. Right, exactly. The problem with that, uh, among other things, is the book of Revelation, which is very, I mean, that puts anything weird in the Old Testament to shame, <laughs> right? I mean, we're talking about blood, like up to the, the, the horse's bridle, like all of this just crazy, crazy stuff. But th- this is actually also an ancient heresy, believe it mm. or not. So the the kind of the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament, um, is is very problematic for a lot of reasons, um, and it it is it doesn't actually do good justice to either the Old Testament or the New Testament, um, because I mean even within the Hebrew Bible or what Christians call the Old Testament, the most consistent descriptor of who God is is you know God is uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, those kinds of things. But I think the bigger for me the bigger way to to think about that question is to think about you know what. What is the Bible? Like, what are these stories that we read and that we teach our children? Uh, Many people would say that these are historically accurate stories that people wrote down because they either saw them or they heard about them, but they are uh, divinely inspired, divinely sanctioned, infallible word of God, right? Right. What I love about my particular, our particular, I guess I should say, our religious tradition is that we talk about the Bible in slightly different terms 
which is in no way meant to diminish its holiness, uh, but is a recognition that these are stories that were written by people and that sometimes people uh, are problematic, right? <laughs> All of us, <laughs> me, you, uh -huh. everybody, All right? And in fact, even more to the point, the Bible itself is not one long consistent story. It's a bunch of different texts written by different people in different times, different places, with different issues, many of whom, by the way, disagreed with each other, mm -hmm. which to me is a great gift of the Bible, right? That there is not, it's not just one story about this God who is often angry and will punish you. It's a bunch of different stories about people trying to make sense of who God is for them that we can now interact with and try to make sense of who God is for us now, right? So it's not going to satisfy the intellectual curiosity of exactly who God is and how God works, but I do think it's an important, there's an important shift that needs to happen in how we understand the Bible and how we approach it. And again, this all goes back to that humility question, mm -hmm. right? To to have the humility to say that there are certain things that we just don't understand and we're, we're just not going to understand. But in the meantime, maybe let's be good to each other, right? right maybe let's yeah. be kind. And let's hope that the God who was behind all of this um, is is as good and as loving and as gracious as we think God is. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree, all that. I wonder, you know, sometimes when we, I like the, the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I, I like to be in that place. Yeah. Because that's where I get to be nice and right. you know, I just do good things and I help <laughs> my neighbor and everything's really wonderful. And then I I also feel like there are times when somebody legitimately has has a um, a comment that, well, God wasn't there for me mm -hmm. yeah. when this yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the age old questions. Right. Why do bad things happen Absolutely. to good people? Yeah. I don't know whether I'm right in this, but my my take on it is that for me, God helps me be okay with the things that happen in life. Right. It's not that necessarily my belief in a God or a, a, a being that I call God is going to magically make my problems go away. Absolutely. Yeah. But that there is a there is a a sense of well-being that comes and mm -hmm. somehow even though i can't explain right i do find comfort yeah and i don't know why sure you know it doesn't yeah. make any sense i think i think also you know for me the way that i understand god primarily working in the world now is through people right and so to to people who say well where was god for me in this moment what i see that as is more a failure of the church and failure of Christians than it is of God. Because where were the people to come around you and support you and uphold you and encourage you and be like, just be there for you in that time of pain and, and difficulty? Uh, it, would, it would be great <laughs> if God worked in these incredible, you know, magisterial ways that we read about in some of these uh, scriptures. I've not seen it. I've not experienced it. Others maybe have. I don't know. But the way that I experience God most is through the community of people around me. Mm -hmm. The way that I can share God most is by tangibly loving and helping and supporting people. So in those times where people feel abandoned by God, I, I get it. Like it, it's hard and it's rough and I'm not in any way belittling that. It, to me though, that, that is the failure of the church. That's the failure of people like you and me to not adequately rally around those people. 
And that, and that I think goes back also to this question of the nuns, like those who are disaffiliating, not really sure where to go, not feeling like they have a home anywhere. And people who ask these difficult questions and we tell them, no, you can't ask these questions. They don't belong here. We, you called this show the devil's advocate, right? I think very often Christians, like we are the ones who are actually playing the role of devil's advocate in the most literal way because we are pushing people away when we tell them you can't ask those questions or when we don't really like surround them and rally around them. Or like there are so many people who, you know, say, say they go through a difficult divorce and then they feel like, well, my church didn't support me and love me through this. In fact, they just told me I was evil and that this is a sin, right? That What could be more devil's advocate than that? Right. <laughs> like pushing someone away because of a hard thing they went through in their life. That's terrible, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like God gets a bad rap for it. That's okay. God can handle it. God can handle our hard questions. God can handle our criticisms. But it's really our failure more than anybody else's. And that that is the thing that breaks my heart is that we so often fail to live up to who we say we want to be as Christians. And then that that just has this terrible effect. Uh, you know, it's far bigger than that. You know, that is such a compelling thought that, you know, that is the true devil's advocate when we allow um, our humanness mm -hmm. to prevent us from truly doing what we feel that we are being called to do. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm not really a Christian because I don't do all the things. Right. But that I like <laughs> the idea and I'm on board and I participate and I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard for me to call myself a Christian sometimes when I know that I fall short. Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like I'm doing okay, actually. I think you're doing all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, guys. You heard it here first. This is Heather Solves Everything. I'm doing all right. It's Coach Healthy Heather. I'm here with my friend, Reverend Sheldon Steen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. I'm dancing with Jesus. <laughs> this is Coach Healthy Heather. You're here listening to Heather Solves Everything. I've got my friend, the Reverend Sheldon Steen, in the studio with me today, and we are talking about the big questions that we're not supposed to talk about, about God and religion and how we experience God in our lives. In our last segment, we were talking about, you know, the different ways that we experience God or that we imagine God to be. And I was recently having a conversation with a friend about how we picture God. And, um, and she said, well, I know that, you know, God is, is this, this male being in a dark room. And I thought, wow, that's interesting, a dark room, because I always imagine God as being 
in a light-filled room, a very bright room. And as our conversation developed, it turns out that she grew up in a very shame-based mm-hmm. religious environment. Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in a very joy and love-based environment. And I thought that it was a really in- interesting how that manifested in even our visual representation. Yeah, for sure. And I also have this theory that God does interact with our lives mm-hmm. and can can make can make an impact on us. And we had a conversation once at a Wednesday night supper um, about how how have you experienced God? And I feel like God will present to you in the way that you are most likely to be receptive. And so for one person, God may be a hipster on the street <laughs> sitting in front of the pizza place. And for somebody else, might be an old lady at the grocery store. Right, right. Because it's it's however you are going to take notice and and um and embrace that in your life. That's my theory. I'm full of theories. <laughs> but I'm curious about you know, how you have seen that in your work and how people interact with God and um, and imagine what God might look like be like yeah yeah if god is a man or a woman <laughs> that's okay good the gender yeah, yeah. of god is there a gender of right. god you know right. we we have we've grown up saying our father mm-hmm. referring to god as a male right but in recent um, environments i've heard god as being a very gender neutral right what are your thoughts yeah i mean so personally i try to not use gendered pronouns for God. Most, and I, I'm not always. I don't always. I'm not always successful at it because I have, you know, grew up saying he and his, and and even you know, Father. I'm a little bit more comfortable with, mostly because you know we have in Scripture and you know the Lord's Prayer and those kinds of things. But I also am totally comfortable with using mother language for God, and you know, talking about the mothering love of God. And there are plenty of mothering analogies, metaphors, images of God throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. And so, you know, to me, the idea of limiting God, this enormous concept, right, this idea of this being that created all things, that is bigger and above and within and around everything, limiting God to a gender, to me, just seems, like, odd. And there's, there's a, there are plenty of people who, like, there will be a real, like, backlash, like, if you use particularly feminine pronouns or language for God that feel like you have to talk about God as male. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I I just always wonder why we need to be so committed to that and instead think about God as far bigger than any of those concepts that we can come up with. Um, if we talk about all people, I mean, this is, this is Genesis 1, being mm-hmm. created in the image of God, then isn't God's gender you know, far bigger than any single expression of gender that we have here, right? I mean, it, it just seems, uh, that seems to me to be about something else besides God. That has more, that, then we're getting into politics, right? right. <laughs> and, and I think that's absolutely where those, that kind of reaction to that comes from. So when I write liturgy, when I pray, um, when, I, when I preach, when I do anything talking about God publicly or privately, I always try to leave it gender neutral and it, it can get kind of clunky because I'm like, you know, 
just saying God over and over again. Right. <laughs> or instead of saying like himself, I'll say God self, which right. is a weird word, but I don't have a better one, you know? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a difficult shift and it's one that I've been trying to do for at least 10 years, you know? But, but I do think it's important because it's important for people to recognize that no matter who they are, they are also in the image of God, that God is above all of those concepts that we have created. Um, all of those ideas of gender and, and even, you know, race and ethnicity and, and all of those things, that God is bigger than those things and that they're all of us, each of us in our own like unique humanness represent some piece of who God is. And that's a beautiful thing, I think, for us to recognize that we are, incom we are incomplete images of God who is far bigger than all of us. I like the idea of God being genderless. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that especially when you get to how we're told that we're made in the image of God, um, I'm obviously not male. And right. so right. I remember being confused by that. Yeah. You know, what does that really mean? Absolutely. And, you know, also, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a common saying that we are all children of God. That's right. And I remember, um, you know, back during the last election when things were getting really contentious mm -hmm. and people were feeling very strongly um, about different people who were running, that you know, <laughs> there being a meme that reminded us that everybody yeah. in that whole situation is a child of God. That's right, yeah. And if you if you believe if you live in that space and you truly believe that right. it really does help you to yeah. have that humanity when you remember that God loves all of right. these people Absolutely. and um, sometimes though it's hard mm -hmm. to <laughs> it's hard to get there when it when you are so angry. That's right. Like they're a child of God. They're a child of God. They're a child of God. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Well, and, and two, I mean, I think this this also, you know, thinking about going back to the idea of Genesis 1 and being made in the image of God, even thinking about, you know, people along the gender spectrum who don't quite fit into male or female, you know, non-binary, transgender, whatever it may be, that recognizing that there could even be space for them as, you know, image bearers of who God is. I mean, if we think about, you know, some people will say, oh, well, it's just male and female. That's all it says in Genesis 1. I'm like, well, that's true but it also only says night and day in Genesis 1, right? That God created the night, God created the day. There's also sunset, there's also sunrise, there's twilight. There's all these beautiful shades of things that exist in the world naturally between night and day. So why couldn't that be the same for, for gender, right? And why couldn't God, again, God be so much bigger than these concepts and these categories that we create and the bigness of God actually creates room for us to recognize how these, how all of us, bear God's image in unique ways and that we need to honor that in every single person rather than saying, ignore that part of yourself. Uh, wow. I mean, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I, I completely agree with you. One of the most liberating things about um, my faith um, experience is that I don't have to make the rules for it. That's right. I yeah. don't have to even <laughs> explain them yeah. because my job is to be excellent to each other. Yeah. And, you know, and party on, dudes. <laughs> party on. <Yeah. laughs> and I think that, you know, that's part of the takeaway from our conversation today, you know, is, is just kind of rejoicing in the fact that we can have this conversation. And right. I hope that, that everyone listening today has, has come, has heard something that has made the light bulb go off in a way that you can 
open up this conversation, you know, with people in in your life that um, that you might not know how to start talking about it. But um, I am so thankful that you're here to answer these crazy questions, these <laughs> stupid questions. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I will say, listen, I love getting coffee with people who vehemently disagree with me. So anybody out there listening, look me up and uh, I'll buy you a cup of coffee and you can tell me all the ways that I'm wrong and we can have a great conversation. Oh man, (laughs) y'all, that is a good offer because I can guarantee you um, Sheldon is the kind of guy that you want to hang out with. So if you enjoyed our conversation and you'd like to learn more, um, you know, look up Sheldon. You'll find him at Christ Presbyterian Church on Bannerman Road, cpcusa.org. And um, you are always welcome there. We're out of time for today, but I hope you'll tune in next week on Real Talk 93.3 at 1 p.m. for a new episode of Heather Solves Everything. Check for the podcast edition of today's show on your favorite podcast app on Monday morning. And stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Coach Healthy Heather. If you have a problem to solve, visit CoachHealthyHeather.com. Click on Solve My Problems to submit a show topic idea. We will get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes.